Mm-hmm. We are, we've been doing some character studies, um, and, and most of the character studies have come out of Genesis. We finished up with Joseph, and as we are moving into Exodus, I've been doing a, a pretty intensive study in the book of Exodus myself, and so we're going to sit in Exodus for a while. Um, we're gonna, we are going to do some character studies of some of the, the main characters in the book of Exodus, but we'll also do s- some thematic studies. We'll go through chapters. And um, so I have a video we are going to show real quick. And uh, Jim, while he's back, th- you're back there. If you wouldn't mind turning off the lights real quick since you're close, and we'll show a little video that uh, um, I found from the Village Church. And it's a great introduction to the book of Exodus. Good. So we're going to start uh, a journey through Exodus, and I don't know how long we're going to be here. So um, if you were to ask me how long, I, I we're going to be here for, for at least a few months. And if God tarries and we're finding just a, a joy, we could be here six, eight, nine months. But the children of Israel wandered in the, year, in the desert for 40 years. We won't be that long. That's all I can say. But we're good because there's so much good stuff in the book of Exodus that some people don't like to go through it in church. Um, you can just get what is in there for us. Uh, we're, we're familiar with, of course, some of it. Uh, one of the things I want to encourage us this morning is uh, the, the movies that you've seen. Of course, you know, we've got Charlton Heston and in the original, th- they got the Ten Commandments. Um, DreamWorks did an interesting s- depiction of the Prince of Egypt. Um, you need to kind of put a lot of that back and try to get those visions out of your mind because what happens, we actually sometimes forget what is biblical and what came right out of, you know, the movies. So we're going we're gonna to we're gonna treat the Bible here. We're going to go through it, and we're going to learn... I think a lot of wonderful things, but be challenged and encouraged along the way. The, the book of Exodus is, gets its name, actually we get the name Exodus from the Greek um, translation of it, not the Hebrew. Um, in, in the, the Exodus is coming from the Greek, and that means um, way out or departure, simply. That sounds like exit, it's pretty much like exit. It means they were departing, and that is a big focus of the book of Exodus. In the original Hebrew, the name of the book, this is a, an amazing name, was called These Are the Names. That is the name of the Hebrew book of Exodus. And of course, in Hebrew, that's the Because the very first part of Exodus says, Now, these are the names of the children. Most of the books uh, in the Hebrew Bible were actually taken from the very uh, first words in the book. Um, the book is, is part of a, a five books that we call, um, well, we call a lot of different things. We call it one, the Pentateuch. That's a word you probably use in everyday language, you know, talking about the Pentateuch. Pentateuch is, is the fi- first five books of the Bible and literally just means book of five. And so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all written by Moses, we believe. And really, Genesis flows right into Exodus and into Leviticus. It could, it's even kind of uh, feeling like one writing. Um, the beginning of Exodus is picking up just in the last couple of uh, chapters of Genesis and recapping that these were the people who died 
Um, they lived and died in Egypt, and we're going to pick up the story about 430 years later after Genesis. So we're going we're gonna to find out what uh, is happening now. Also, the five, first five books of law um, are, have been known as the Torah. Has anyone ever heard of the Torah? The Torah is, is a term that simply means law or teaching. And so it's referred to often um, by the Jewish congregation as the Torah. Um, and so this is part of that. Well, one of the things Exodus does is it is the beginning at one part of giving the law to the Israelites. And we're going to spend time talking about um, why the law was given and what it means to us as we get closer. But we've got a long way to go from there. Um, the book of Exodus has some, some stories that we're really familiar with. They, they hit a couple of them right there, right? Of course, we know the story of little Moses in the river, and, uh, and, and actually his name, he wasn't named that by his parents, but he was named that by Pharaoh's daughter as she drew him out of the water. We know that story. We, we, we're familiar with him uh, in the Ten Commandments. We're familiar with the plagues, right? The Ten Plagues. Um, of course, those have come back in many, many movies um, since then. So we're familiar with some of the themes. Uh, one of the big themes of Exodus, what we're going to cover, is Exodus chapter 12 and 13 is the Passover. The Passover is right in Exodus, and the, it's, it's the, the saving of the firstborn son as the death angel would come and then bring a curse against Pharaoh. So we're going to cover that in depth. But there's a lot of themes of Exodus. One of the things is I, I've been studying and reading. Um, it's actually one of my Bible college classes I, I'm in right now is in Exodus. And it's kind of fun because um, I actually disagree with a lot of the points that my Bible professor is making about Exodus. And, and he's got some interesting th thoughts on some ways. Um, and so I'm doing a lot of other digging. And he's, he's not necessarily, in most things, he's straight on. Um, but in some things, he's got some interesting ideas, and as we get there, I'll share I'll share them with you. Um, and so I'm also looking under other other resources because, see, just as I have an opinion at times or an interpretation of the word, it's your job to be in the word. Make sure that it's I'm teaching according to the word. And there are going to be times that we have differences of opinion on. Um, some of some some simple things. I'll give you one that my professor um, says it is, comes out of out of the book of Exodus. You guys are familiar with uh, some of you are familiar with Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses. Okay, um, Jethro comes and gives advice to Moses, and he and he says, Moses, what you're doing is not good. You're working too hard. What you should do is appoint people to do the work for you, and that's biblical, right? That says so. What uh, my professor says is he believes that that was not of God. That was of man. Okay? So, and, and, and I reread it. I'm like, what? I never heard that. So I reread it. And I'm like, oh, it does not say that God led Jethro to give him the advice. It, it, it never said that. So he actually believed that Moses was, was supposed to do what he was doing, being led by God, and that Jethro brought advice that wasn't from God. Now, does that change my salvation? Absolutely not. Can we have a differing of opinions on that? 
Absolutely. So these are the types of things you might c occasionally have a difference of opinion. We can have discussions about those. We can, and, and I'm always open to go, hmm, because I don't get it all right. I, I read a lot of uh, people are smarter than I do, um, try to get into the Greek and Hebrew. And so we may f find some of those things as we go in here. I say that because as I was studying, going, okay, this is going to be a big study. What are the main themes of Exodus, and where should we go with it? And I got overwhelmed because Bible teachers give a lot of different themes that are all in the book of Exodus that you could, you could go and you could see as main themes. I'm going to give you some of them. One, one writer said that he broke um, the book of, of Exodus up into three themes, and they're all, these are all in here. They're all true. First one is the miraculous deliverance of Israel. Well, it's absolutely true. A big theme of the book of Exodus is Israel's deliverance. So big that this is a theme that's in most of the other ideas of the themes too, that the entire Old Testament points back to the zenith of Exodus being the deliverance out of bondage. This, this for the Old Testament is the big big theme that is constantly pointed back to equivalent with the New Testament theme of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for our sins. In the New Testament, we're delivered from sin. Everything points back to the cross of Christ, to his resurrection and deliverance. In the Old Testament, everything goes back to the deliverance, God rescuing the people out of Israel. So that one, one said that's the first theme. His next one was the miraculous journey to Sinai. Well, that's a miraculous journey. We're going to cover that. And then he would say the next one is the miraculous revelations at Sinai, which was God giving the law. I'm like, those are good. And so I'm reading, I'm reading some other commentaries. And, and, he, and somebody else says, well, here's the, what I think are the themes. God's presence, number one. And, and, and he reveals himself in Exodus. And he says, um, who, who, who should I say is sending me? Moses asks. Um, when he has the encounter with the, the burning bush, which is an amazing encounter with God, the bush that does not, uh, is, is on fire but it's not consumed, he says, I am who I am. Tell him I am. And that's where we get the name Yahweh, and that's the first time that we understand his name Yahweh is, is from this. So God's presence, that he's with us. In fact, the whole building of the tabernacle is about God's presence being with us. So that would be one theme. The next one, according to this, this man, was um, that God keeps his promises. Well, the very beginning um, is we're finding the children of Israel in, in captivity and bondage and remembering the promises that they would be fruitful and that he would lead them out of the land and do that. So that is definitely a theme. Another one is a liberation and delivery from slavery. Obviously, this is a huge theme in Exodus, right? We're going to be taken out. So we're going to be covering these things. Um, he had five themes. Sacrifice. The sac uh, that, that, um, that there was a sacrifice for them coming out. And then finally, his last theme was power. And that was the power of God rescues us from everything. So it was really good. I could give a couple more. Another, another author says that one of the first theme is that God cares for oppressed people. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you know that, that even in the, uh, in the slave trade and to, even today people look back to the rescuing of the slaves of Egypt as, as the reason that we're supposed to rescue and help slavery today? 
those that fought against slavery in this nation in the 1800s, the 1700s, 1800s, often quoted right out of Exodus. That's a huge theme. God cares for oppressed people. God will move heaven and earth and cause heaven to rain down in order to save his people. Isn't that a wonderful theme? So we're, these are some of the things. These are going to be some of the themes that we're going to be seeing as we move through Exodus. Um, his third one was, we serve a God who will make himself known. Now the reason I'm, I'm giving these is because I want to begin to encourage you. These themes are what we need to hear in our life today. So that we're not going to do a historical study of an old book, but we're going to walk through and see, God, how can we apply and understand who you are so that we can live today and know you and realize that he always does want to make himself known to us. He wants us to be in his presence, that he has power over our situation, that he cares for us when we're in bondage and none of us have ever been in slavery, but boy, some of us have felt very much so in bondage and that he wants to lead us out of that um, there is but one God the creator who is sovereign and powerful it's one of the themes as as we and we're, we're going to read some, some passage out of, of first and second the first two chapters of Exodus this morning um, but we, we're familiar with the plagues. I'm looking forward to getting into the plagues. I'm not going to spend like a week on each plague. That's just way too much. But when you're studying the plagues, what I found in my studies, and this was wonderful, and I'm, I'm, is that for every plague that came, it was coming against one of the gods of Egypt. God was in, the f in their face See, they had all the God, they had the God of the Nile, and the Nile brought prosperity. And so, what was the first plague? The the uh, water turning into blood. And so, God is bringing a plague that flies in the face and and goes against their God, saying, "I am more powerful than your God of the Nile." One of their gods was the God who actually took care of the livestock, so that they could have wealth. And one of the plagues is the death of all the cattle. They had, they had a, a frog god, and so he brings a plague of frogs. And so, God, you know, God is in, his, in his sovereignty and his wisdom and maybe even a sense of humor is saying, listen, I am God. I am almighty. I am going to show you that your trust in what you think is powerful is nothing. I am the living God. I am the mighty, sovereign, and powerful God. And I'm going to make myself known to my people. That's another theme. The glory of God is revealed in his glory. His, his weight, his worth is his character. We learn um, about the character of, of God through reading Exodus. Um, we learn that, that God's grace precedes the law. And like Israel, we are saved and freed for a purpose. So we're going to cover a lot of themes as we go through this. We're not going to, we're not going to try, I'm not going to have one common thing and try to prove one thing, but we're going to look as much as we can as we go through the book of Exodus um, so that we can get as much out of it as possible, taking away to know God more 
personally. Um, even the, the division of uh, the structure of the book, we're going to go over that a little bit. Um, bondage, the first couple chapters is talking about bondage. And I tell you, as I'm reading this and thinking about it and reading some of the commentaries, and there's the, actually some really neat videos I'll show along the way. Pharaoh is a horrible, horrible man. He's, I think this is the most horrible kingdom up until this point. Throw the babies in the river. Let's kill them. This is, this is horrible. This is not theatrical. This is not light. Pharaoh is a hard-hearted man who puts God's people under bondage. Interesting that they are there. Here's a, here's, a, here's a lesson. We'll get more into it in, in future. Today's kind of a flyby. But I want, well, today you're going to walk away with hopefully just even a whole bunch of things like, well, I'm excited about the study, but also about my God. Remember, they were there in Egypt as a blessing. They were there in Egypt as a blessing. God brought them in to save them. And 430 years later, they're in bitterness. Sometimes, isn't it true that in the middle of bitterness is blessing and in the middle of blessing is bitterness you know wouldn't it be just nice if everything was just always all blessing thank god that it's not always just all bitterness now sometimes we can't see the blessing because of the bitterness but they're they're in in bondage in a, in a bitter place that once was for freedom well one thing we can say is we've got to be careful to not live in our blessed life for so long that we allow ourselves to become slaves to whatever it is that we're living in. Deliverance, chapters 3 through 12 is talking about is, is the setup and the deliverance of the people um, because through the Passover and then starting in chapter 13 with the Passover is the journey up until 18. Chapter uh, 18, 19 is the, the beginning of Sinai and 20 is the beginning of the giving of the law which there is some strange stuff in the law. And we're going to talk about some of these things. Um, there's a lot of even debate about what the law is and which, if we're supposed to obey the law or part of the law or all of the law. And so, so we'll cover some of those things as we go. Then there's all these instructions about building the tabernacle. And they go into extreme detail about how to build the tabernacle. And it's important because it shows the importance of God's presence with us. And then they repeat the exact same thing as they build the tabernacle. They say word for word what they said on how to do it. When they do it, they do it word for word of how to do it again. So we hear it like twice. So sometimes it can be like, oh, do I have to hear this again? But we're, we'll, we'll spend some time in that. Um, of course, there's the, uh, the call of Moses. The plagues are in there. The Passover, which is a huge one. The giving law, building the tabernacle. And so that's kind of a... A, a quick fly over of some of the things in Exodus and what we want to want to talk about. I want to get into some some scriptures this morning, just even as we begin. So again, the setup about 400 years after the close of of Genesis. Who were who were who is God? He's the God of three people. Do you remember? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And he makes himself known in Exodus as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That needs to be an encouragement to us. 
Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had a lot of problems. They were not perfect. And God is willing to let the world know that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and, and they made some really bad choices. Jacob's son, the fourth, uh, well, we throw in there is Joseph. He was the favorite son of Jacob and, the, and really the savior of the people of Israel. Remember, Jacob's other name is Israel. At this point, Israel was a person. By the time we get to Exodus, Israel is a people group. Now, you know, a lot of you know me. I am obviously weird. But in addition, I've got these, these uh, prove it to me. I'm going to prove things out. And uh, I remember when I was young, I've had this forever. I remember I was reading in the book of Genesis, and I started looking at how old everyone was. And I'm doing this on my own. I was like 18 years old. I was working at the Robin Hood. And I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, man, they lived a long time. And then the flood comes. And everyone dies, except no one has three kids. And I started thinking, wait a second, all these people lived a long time. I mean, like 969 years, 777 years. That sounds like they would be alive after the flood. So I went back to Genesis, and I, and I wrote down the age, when they were born, how old they lived, and, and I did, and I calculated all of it out. I'm going, and I'm like, I'm about to prove the Bible wrong. I thought I was amazing. I didn't want to prove the Bible wrong, but I'm like, there's no way you could have all these ages. And so I added them all up, and he had them at 120, and he lived another 500 years, and I started going out. And I got to the grandfather of Noah and found out that he died the year of the flood, and everyone else died before that. Now, that, had I read a commentary, the commentary would have told me that. But I came up with that on my own. I'm like, wow, it was pretty cool. And then, and then I found out that what they actually believed is that the flood started when he died because he was the only other righteous person alive. So anyways, so I did that. So, so I was kind of, what was I doing on this one? Wow, why was I going on? Oh, so I'm like, okay, so there's, we got a couple million people in Israel, or in Egypt now. And I'm like, is that possible? Could there be a couple of million Israelites? Uh, anyone else like have a mind like that? Like, is that, is that too many? Okay, a few of you, okay. For the rest of you, bear with me. So I'm like, is that possible? I mean, like, okay, how many kids? So I, went, I got my calculator out, and I did a couple of things. I said, okay, so let's say everyone has three kids, and I started calculating it out. And I said, 430 years, and you have kids by like 30 years old. And, you, and I actually calculated out how many, how many people... And, and I'm like, wow, it works. I'm like, wait a second. I did. So what would you do? You'd say, start off with 12 people. And then you go, each of them has three kids. So you go times three. And times three, times three, times three, right? And you get this huge number. But, but that would mean that everyone lived the whole 400 years. You've got to subtract the previous generation. Because they died. So I went 12 times three <laughs> minus 12 times 3 minus 36 times 3 and I, I minus the number that came every other time and guess what 3 to 4 kids 10, 11, 12, 13 generations gives you between 2 and 9 million people and do you think that on average they had 3 to 4 kids? I think so probably higher so in case you're wondering is it possible there were that many millions of people living in Egypt I did the math. <laughs> Are you proud of me or what? <laughs> y 
you know, it, it might be silly, but the Word of God is trustworthy. The Word of God is trustworthy. You know, we don't just have to go, oh, you know. So next time someone says, well, I think that was just too many people. How'd they get so many people? Say, do the math. <laughs> so they're, so they're, Jacob, all, all, everyone dies. Of course, the pharaohs begin to die. Y you know, even if they lived a long time, let's say you were a pharaoh and you lived to be 100 and you got to be pharaoh for 80 years, it's 430 years. You're talking four, five, six minimum pharaohs later and, and maybe, maybe more. Have you ever had a job that you were friends with the boss or like the boss just liked you and then the boss left and you got a new boss and you didn't quite have the same favor you did before? Didn't you hate that? <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. This is the situation. The people of Israel had favor, but as the next boss and the next boss came, things changed and there was no more favor. And then there was fear. They had fear about what the people of Israel might do. Is See, we got to go back. Genesis, I think it's 47. And I may not find it right away, so I'll just, you, you, you'll remember that's there. Okay. Hmm. Do you remember, it, it, the, it was all over actually, all through Genesis, starting with, with Abraham. It says, I will bless you and multiply you and you'll be a blessing. In fact, even in Genesis, the beginning, when he created man, he said what he said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. The blessing and the promise of God to his people were to, I will bless you and I will multiply you and you will be a blessing, and I will give you the land. So this is, this is the close all the way through Genesis, all the way through the close of Genesis, going into the beginning of Exodus. And I want to read a little bit in chapter 1. The Hebrew name. These are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. I'm not going to read those. We remember them. Verse 7. But the children of Israel were fruitful, be fruitful and multiply. They were fruitful. So again, it gives us a good understanding that they didn't have one kid apiece. They weren't living in America where you have 2.2 children. They were fruitful. They, had, they, were, they multiplied. And it says they were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose, arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Now, when we read the Bible, especially when somebody's saying something, you've got to understand that it may not be um, truth or accurate, just like, Man, when I came up the hill last week, I must have passed about a million cars. Okay? We say things. So we don't know for sure if they were literally more than e the Egyptians or not. But there was enough of them that he was saying, they're more than us. And they're mightier than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them 
lest they multiply and it happen in the event of war that they join with our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Now, some people would say, they're getting really big, let's just kick them out. They just tell them to leave. He's actually saying, they might get so mighty that they're going to leave us and they won't be our slaves anymore. It's all about keeping their, their thing rolling. He, he's, he's prideful. He's selfish. He wants to have the best kingdom. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Python and Ramses. The more, uh, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter w with hard bonding in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. That when the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives of whom the name of one was Shipra and the other was Pua. So we got our first characters. And he said, when, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstools, if it's a son, you shall kill him. This, this is nine-month partial birth abortion. Sound familiar? And this is what they're, they're killed. They're, they're born and they kill them. If it's a daughter, then she shall live. Verse 17. Okay, before I read it. You already did. Pretend you didn't. We live in a nation. We live in a time that people are telling us to do things. Telling you how to live, how to think, how to respond. And some of the things they're telling us go against what God says. Some of the things we have to, we have to determine how we as a believer can stay faithful to God and not bow our knee at all to the enemy, not compromise. But, uh, but some of the things are absolutely just outright wrong they feared God the midwives more than they did Pharaoh and so what did they do they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded but saved the male children alive so the king of Egypt called for them and they said why have you done this thing and they lied the Hebrew women are hardy they have the babies before we get there we can't do anything about it doesn't help Pharaoh after that. He just starts saying, well, just find the kids and throw them in the river. This, this is horrible. He's a horrible tyrant. But these women who are like us at times living in a land that is not ours, living, it, it, do you ever feel like you don't fit in this culture anymore? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting time we're living in, and it's been going this way for a long time. But the, um, the anger towards Christianity, and, and uh, we, we're getting, their prejudice against us is getting stronger and stronger, and the love of, of immorality and things that go against the Bible is so rampant, um, we don't even know how to act. And, I, and I, it's often, we don't even, like, what do I do? I don't, I don't feel like I fit here anymore. Um, my kids, we'd go to the doctor, and, and the doctor would always 
uh, asks the questions to the kids when they're in their teenage years. Well, do you want the HPV vaccination, which is basically for kids who are having sex? And we're like, no. And they say, well, you know, are you, do you have a girlfriend? Well, no. They hadn't had girlfriends or boyfriends. Well, do you smoke? No. Do you drink? No. He started looking at me like he wanted me to leave because he knew my kids were lying. Because he knew that my kids were sleeping around and smoking and drinking. Because that's what all kids do. No, they don't. They actually don't. Now, not that my kids are perfect and, and can't go out and do some of these things. They could. They're human. But they weren't. And, and, and it was funny, except it wasn't. They didn't fit in the culture. And they talked to other people who aren't, aren't Christian. And they, there's a lot of godly young people in this, in this valley. But I tell you, well, at least there's some. And they don't look anything like the other kids. They don't fit anymore. So how do we act when we, f- when we don't fit? What are we going to do? We're going to live like Shipra and Pua. That's how we have to live. We're not going to obey. We're, 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 we're not going to do the same things. I love everybody. I don't care who you are. I think we're called to love everybody. If somebody walks in the door and they're a liar, I love them. If they're a gossip, I love them. If they're a drug addict, I love them. If they're a thief, I love them. If they're homosexual, I love them. Okay? See, we, we like to hold that last one as the big one. I want to make sure we understand that that's the same as a liar or gossip. It's no different. Love them all. Do I tell the liar to keep lying? No. Do I tell the gossip to keep gossiping? No. Am I going to gossip with the gossip? Hopefully not. Okay? We love, but we live counterculturally, and we teach the truth. People will soon be coming here to this church and every other church and saying, I'm homosexual. Will you marry my partner and I? And I want to let you know that the answer will always be no. Will I love them? Yes. Can they attend the church? Yes. Absolutely. If there was any hesitancy, I was thinking about going, yes, as long as we still have liars, gossips, cheats, thieves, drug addicts, anyone else, absolutely. Everyone's, a lot, everyone's welcome here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna learn to follow Jesus. My hope is that everyone will be set free. Okay? I will never marry two men, two women. Will not do it. And if they, have, if, they, if they sue or close the church down, so be it. We'll meet in homes. We're never going to do that. Why? Because it's, it's against God. Simple. Same thing. We're not going to start lying. We're not going to cheat. We're not going to steal. We're not going to do these things as, as, the, as a church, as, as individuals. So for them, kill the kids. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. What's being pressed upon you? It's individual. See, things get pressed upon you. 
you know, and I'm going to go real light. Joke with the other guys about stuff. There, there's, a, there's a line. There's a guy joking that's okay. There's a line, and we get real close to it, okay? But guys, when it's over the line, you shut your face, and you stop. And, and if you have to leave, you leave. We're done. No, we don't go there. We don't, we don't talk bad about our spouses, okay? Now, that, that's something simple. What is it that's pressing upon you, that culture, that the people around you are saying, hey, let's do this together? You got to figure that one out and go, you know what? Pua on you. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Whatever it is. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be holier than thou. That's not it. I'm not going to say, you know, no, I'm too holy for that kind of activity. I'm just like, no. We just don't, we're, 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 God wants me to live this way, and I'm not, I'm not going to partake into that. I am not going to cheat on my taxes. I am not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm going to be even as Shipra and Pua, and I'm going to be different. Now, listen. Here's, a, here's, here's what goes. Therefore, verse 20, chapter 1, Therefore God dwelt, w- dealt, dealt well with the midwives and the people multitude and grew very mighty. And here is a, a, a subjection point is that midwives brought, uh, may have been single women. And it says, verse 21, And so it was because the midwives feared God that he also provided households for them. God blessed them when they were honoring him and steadfast with him god will honor you and give you your household give you what you need and he will bless you and i believe he'll bless you and give you even wants and sometimes he'll give us the want itself and then fulfill that he will bless you for being faithful to him he will bless you in the middle of bitterness if you'll pay attention to the blessings he will bless you in the bitterness. That's how we need to be. You know, a lot of boys were born in this time. We just we just believe that they whole bunch of boys got snuck through. Moses was was one of them. Raised and chapter two picks up and, and, and about Moses. A couple things. The book of Exodus is not about Moses, it's about God. Moses is definitely a key player. Moses becomes a, an archetype even of, of Christ because he's a savior of his people. We're going to find that we relate often with Moses as he's angry and hacked off. Then God gets angry and hacked off at Moses and the people. There's a lot of anger and hacking off. You know what's good about that is that's our life. Right? That's part of life for us. Making mistakes. God get, You know, God actually gets angry with us sometimes. You know, I kind, of, I kind of think that he's like, when my kids do something that didn't really affect a lot, but like, you know, you know one of those things, ah, you go, you knucklehead. That's, I think, what God does. You knucklehead. He doesn't go, oh, yay, you messed everything up. because goes, you knucklehead, I told you not to do that. But he has grace for us. Remember, he's the God of Abraham, <laughs> Isaac, and Jacob. If he's willing to connect with them, he's willing to connect with you. He's the God of Rob and Steve and Mike, man. <laughs> Will you stand up in your culture and say no to the things that are pressing on like Shipra and Pua? Say, no, 
not going to do that. I'm going to close in prayer as, as we, we start this huge journey of, of Exodus, and I'm just scared because it's so big. But, uh, and we're going to pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, there is amazing wealth in your word, and we don't want to just take little chunks out of it. We want to study it. We want to know your, your, your message that goes from beginning to end. Deliverance from sin and bondage. God, as we're starting this journey, we pray that you would bless it. God, I pray that you would give us a, a hunger for the word and give us ability to understand what you want to teach us. God, I pray that you would give us grace as there will be times that we differ in some of our understandings and, and differences uh, even as we read through Exodus. God, specifically now for this message this morning, Lord, in that quick time of hearing about the midwives who stood against Pharaoh, they stood against the man who had the power to kill them, the power to, to do so much to them, and they disobeyed culture, man, to obey you and you bless them. God, I pray that we would be a people who would walk contrary to the culture if it's with you, for you. That we might not just purposely go against culture, God, but we would just follow you no matter what the cost. Loving people along the way. Always being faithful to you. God, and we trust you to bless us, to provide for us. And I pray individually now that you would show each person here what it is maybe even today that you've been dealing with them on. This cultural push, this thing that's happening in their life that they're like, you know, I think it's time that, that, that I stand up and stop doing that or change my thinking on that. As only you, through your Holy Spirit, can do, minister to us and give us the strength and courage of Shipra and Pua in Jesus' name. Amen.